Hello, I'm Russell Howard, and this is Wonderbox. A Wonderbox is a place where you keep the things that remind you of the stuff you adore. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where I ask some people what they put in their Wonderbox and have a chat about the most amazing moments of their lives. My guest this week is a brilliant comedian, musician, and actor. She's best known as the host of Late Night Mash. She's one of the stars of the hit West End improv show, Ostentatious. And she just published her first book called Advice from Strangers. This is Rachel Paris's Wonderbox. So, Rachel, what is the first thing you want to put in your Wonderbox? The first thing is... A music book, mm-hmm. sheet music. Yeah. I've got it here. Well, let's not judge the music. <laughs> uh, it's a music book. It's piano music. Yeah. It's the Gershwin collection of songs. Um, and this is George Gershwin. George Gershwin, uh, the great American songwriter. Who died very young. I didn't know that. Okay. Did he? Yeah, he died at age 38. Wow. God, so he, lot of, he got a lot done. That's a fat book for a bloke that didn't make 40. It's not even all of them. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Well, he, I love his songs, him and like Cole Porter and Irving Berlin, all the great sort of American songwriters. And this was the first book that I got bought. I learned piano when I was six. Wow. And obviously you, didn't you... learn it in its entirety when I was six. Like I started learning when I was six. And when did you get this book? I think I was probably 12. Okay. And I learnt all of them, not um, about half of them by heart. Really? And it was also the first introduction to, like, jazz as well. So I had a really good piano teacher. She was just the local piano teacher, yeah. but really looked out because you get piano teachers who just teach you, like, the grade pieces. Yeah. But she really did a bit of everything, so I learnt, like, how to play pop and jazz and mm. classical and a bit of everything. When and I was 12, I had a very different kind of jazz mag. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was just kind of... But I love the idea that you're a 12-year-old, like, into actual jazz. Into actual jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As opposed to the murk that you'd find in the woods. Yeah. If you found, if you found this, like, stuck to a hedge in the woods, yeah. you'd think, what a niche interest that is. Yeah. But I'd yeah. have respect for them. Yeah. So the bears are doing all sorts of the woods. <laughs> but so that strikes me as quite, like you say, it's very niche to be into jazz age 12. Yeah. That isn't like, how old are you? Uh, 39. Yeah, so that's not like too unlimited. It's not Ant and Deck. No. It's uh, not the Venga Boys. Well, I did... (laughs) Sorry, I just remember... I played Boom, 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 Boom to my toddler the other day. Which is... Boom, 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 let me hear you say we. No. Boom, 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 I want you in my room. We'll spend the night together from now until forever. Absolutely classic Venger Boys. I wanted the two-year-old make of that. <laughs> he liked it and he went boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And luckily didn't get any of the sexual overtones. Well, if he's into booms, you could uh, boom, boom, shake the room. Yeah, there's it's a, a lot, lot of boom songs. There's yeah. a hell of a lot of booms. So if your two-year-old's already into boom. Yeah, <laughs> boom as a genre. Yeah. Yeah. Boom Town Rats. Now, that's what I call boom. (laughs) So I'm curious, were you the only friend of yours that was into jazz? Yes, I would say I wasn't into hardcore jazz. I wasn't like, and to be honest, like, I did like listening to it, but I loved playing it. Right. There's kind of a running joke between me and my husband. He's a jazz nut. Is he? And he's like a vinyl collector. Right. huge, obsessed with Miles Davis and Charlie Parker. And he loves listening to it. He'd have jazz on all the time. I really enjoy silence in my life. But I love performing and I love singing. So I would sing and play all the American songbook, basically. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all, all different kinds of music, classical music as well. But this probably was my first introduction to playing and singing songs at the same time. 
if you like, which has become a big part of what I yeah. do. Yeah, because that's, I think Bob Dylan said that, that he, he likes making music to perform. He's not really into just making it. He likes having a thing to show people. Yeah, so I think I, that's true for me. Yeah, so when you were kind of like 6 to 12 and you were really into it, were you thinking, I want to be a, a classical musician? Do you want to be in a band? Were you sort of thinking comedy at that stage or were you thinking... Because Rachel Paris is a good name. Thanks. For kind of a sort of a smouldering pianist. Yeah, it is actually, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like I've missed a trick there. I should take up You've smoking. You've done very well, Rachel, but I'm sort of saying <laughs> there's definitely a parallel universe. It's a good name. Yeah, it's where very I'm sort rocky. of like quietly smoking jetens yeah. with like a little, maybe a moog. What's a moog? I don't know. <laughs> it's a type of like sort of org, jazz organ. Is it? What noise does piano. that make? It's all of the like 70s jazz sounds. You know, I don't think I can do an impression of it because I'm not electric. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah good, Again, that's coming from my extensive knowledge of pornography. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was there was sort of a lot of wah-wah in 70s porn. Yeah. And sort of, yeah, really only the 70s and then they just stopped. Yeah. You know, they just got rid of music. You <laughs> don't really see any music in porn these days. It's a shame. It is. There's no artistry in erotica anymore. <laughs> it's a shame. We need to get back to that. <laughs> but it's odd, isn't it, that they, yeah, they clearly had sound effects, <laughs> musicians. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that'd be the most heartbreaking of all the noises. They probably, probably wouldn't make <laughs> it. That'd be, yeah. If there was a what 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 what, that's probably the one that didn't make it to the cutting room floor. To be yeah. fair, that's failed porn. Yes, which is definitely. A <laughs> Do you genre. know what? How educational would that be? Exactly. Yeah. To uh, show young young people. Well, I had an sometimes idea. Sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had that that it should be normal people. Yeah. In in pornography, I genuinely thought like Josh Widdicombe and Philip Schofield were my two picks. Yeah. You know, with Schofield, you know, I was way off. <laughs> But, but Josh, I still think... You want to put Josh Widdicombe in porn? I just think it would be... I think he's a really lovely guy. He looks like he'd be a very tender lover. Yeah, He just looks like a normal, average guy. I've, I've never thought of him that way. I, and uh, now, thanks to you, well, I am. Yeah, well, the problem is, once you've thought about it, you can't not think about it. Yeah, that's literally coming true in my head now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just all the noises. And just before we get back to that, I have to tell you that mm. a few years ago in Bath at a comedy festival, it was sponsored by Love Honey. Uh huh. For listeners at home who might not know the sex website, I and, didn't know that. And uh, they said, "Oh, we want to meet Rachel after her show." Love Honey wanted to meet. You. Wanted to meet me, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's nice. That's fine." I yeah. went and met them. Yeah. They gave me a goodie bag. <laughs> and they said, we wondered if you'd be interested in being an ambassador for Love Honey. And I said, oh, why? What? Why? I'm surprised. I'm just surprised. What makes you think I'd be a good ambassador for Love Honey? And they said, we think you'd be a great face to normalise uh, <laughs> sex toys for people. Wow. And I was like... Okay, so I'm the Josh Widdicombe in this scenario. Wow, yeah, not yeah. to glamorise it, yeah, not yeah. to make it look good, yeah. or for people to be like, wow, what a gorgeous woman. To normalise, for people to be like, well, <laughs> fuck it, if Rachel yeah, Paris yeah, yeah. uses it, I suppose <laughs> anyone can. But that's the poster. Yeah. If she's doing it. <laughs> I suppose I can. Yeah, yeah. Look at that normal lady having sex. Yeah, yeah. Half, yeah, half star, really average. Um, did you take the goodies? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was yeah. offered some years ago oh, yeah. uh, from Jurex that for at Christmas they sent like a load of 
sort of a sexual accoutrement. Interesting. But I, the sort of the male ego, I took that as a, you know, a, as I was very angry. That's ridiculous. I know, of course it is, but it's the fact that they, I felt like they'd seen me on stage and gone, he needs help. It's a bit like, <laughs> you know when you go bowling and they put the the things up? Without like, asking. Yeah, yeah. It's like I can bowl. <laughs> I know, I know how to bowl. I can get a strike. Maybe you wouldn't have these insecurities if you'd watched Josh Widdicombe. This is it, mate. Growing up. So to get back to uh, yes. to George. Yeah. So what is it about George Gershwin and this book? What, what is so magical about this? Well, this book, like, it's very falling apart. You can hear me flicking the pages mm. audibly. I've tried to like tape it together mm. uh, in places, but I just love it because I've I've poured over every page mm. of this book, and I. Every single one in it, I think every one, there might be the odd sort of duff that I still haven't gone near. Actually, yeah. that's a bit crap, but um, nearly every song is an absolute banger. There's my name in it. And it's so connected to me for the beginning of me becoming a musician. Yeah, yeah. Not just somewhat, there's a difference between a little girl learning to play the piano and feeling like you're a musician, sitting at a piano, singing and playing and like even Im and improvising off of those songs as yeah. well. So that was really the beginning of me feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm a musician. So yeah, in answer to actually a question I didn't answer was, no, comedy was absolutely nowhere on the horizon for another 10 years. It was only music at that age. I didn't know what I would do with it because I didn't know anyone who was a musician. Yeah, right, okay. Or an actor, Yeah. Uh, let alone a comedian. So I didn't know what I'd do with it, but I knew that I loved music and that was going to be a part of my life somehow. And do, where, where are you from? Leicester. Yeah, so it's sort of, it's impossible when you find these things. You know, if you're into music or drama or art, if you come from a you know very normal family, yeah. to suddenly kind of go, oh, I'm going to be a pianist. What the yeah. hell are you talking about? Or I'm going to be a musician. But I remember writing that when I was a kid. Like the one job I wanted when I was younger was to have a job I liked because all the adults I knew yeah. were just so miserable and angry yeah. that if you could find something that kind of got your your heart pumping. Yeah, I think my ambitions were at that age quite quite realistic, mm. like most people I knew. Yeah. I didn't, and even my amongst my friends, I think we were all pretty normal. Like you say, that's how I think of it as quite yeah. a normal upbringing. We didn't know anyone who was in entertainment or anything outlandishly exciting. So I think everyone's ambitions were like be a teacher yeah or uh, get like, a trade get a trade that's the sort of thing isn't it yeah, if you yeah. come from a certain sort of background it's always like make sure you get a trade yeah 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 and actually teacher I remember having teacher on my list like mm. uh, and I have ended up doing quite a lot of teaching to be fair but yeah I didn't I didn't know that being like a, an entertainer as a real job as your only job was a thing really that people did I had seen plays you yeah. know I'd seen musicals in the West End and stuff and I think that was like a bit of a pipe dream, the idea of mm. doing that. Can you remember the first song you wrote? Yes. <laughs> yes. It didn't have words. It was like a piece on the piano. And I think it was it was really, it was called something like Mid Midnight Cocktail. <laughs> okay. How old are you? I was like 11, I think. 11. Midnight and I'd Cocktail. And I'd never had, I'd never like been up till midnight or had a cocktail <laughs> yeah so but it's so much better than afternoon ribena <laughs> it just it doesn't have the same brunch milk <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um so yeah i think i was trying to make it sound more sophisticated than it did if we had a piano here i could play it to you because i remember it can you remember the melody vaguely if it was in yeah like this is 
is going into the relative minor here. Do 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 do. And then it did a home and away style. Dee dee at the end. Dee dee a little flourish. So do you were you naturally because you were a student of music you would notice patterns everywhere. Yes, I, that's probably true. Yeah, I've never thought about it before, but yeah, that's probably true. I remember talking to Tim Minchin about that and he said he just finds it very hard to listen to music because he knows everything about music. Yeah. So his brain is just like, oh, well, yeah, they're doing their thing now. In the same way that if we watch stand-up or... Yeah. If a, I doubt a footballer watches football in the same way that laymen do. Yeah, I think that probably is true. I went on to study music and now... Yeah, you do, not all the time, but some of the if there's something interesting that happens, something recognisable, a, a pattern or a sequence or something, you do, you clock it. Occasionally, I tell my husband about it. Bless mm. him, he's quite good at listening to it. Me mm. just sort of randomly spouting a bit of music theory at him. But yeah, I think I probably do have that running a little bit through my head. Is your husband musical? Yeah, he is, but he's never really learnt an instrument. Right. He really loves music and really appreciates music, but like he sort of learnt the trumpet a bit and the trombone a bit, and he can sing, but um, not really done that musicianship kind of instrumental path. And do you look at your two-year-old now and want him to be a musician? One hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got to. He's got no choice. I'll right. be pushing him. Push, push, push. Tiger mother, <laughs> come on, don't mess around. Grade eight by the time you're ten. So you'd like you see him as sort of classical musician, or do you see him in sort of like a punk band, or what? What, what do you I, see for him? I'm willing to let him find his own musical path as long as it is in music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am joking, but on some level, I'm not. Yeah. I know. I'd lo- I'd love him to be musical, and part of it is I think he is musical innately. He like sings things back in tune. You know, he's got a lovely voice already and I I think he will be musical. Uh, so I, I hope I hope he does, but Will we'll you see. give him that book? No, that's mine. Okay. I don't trust him with it, it's quite delicate. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember I was talking the other day I was in Lisbon and I was talking to these women and they were saying that they gave their teenagers wine so that they didn't become alcoholics, they gradually kind of oh, get them I into see. it. Yeah, and yeah. I pointed out that in the UK parents don't share their wine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, like it's, I, it's I need, my wine. I need this, <laughs> and it felt a bit like there. You were you were not willing to give your wine mm. to your son. Yeah, I do. I suppose That's I do feel book. a bit like that. Yeah, I'll buy him his own books. It's fine. fine. Well, I like that. Um, what's the uh, what's the next one? The next item, it's an old tube of hand cream. Okay. It is hand cream that. I got bought five or six years ago when I first got together with my husband. Okay. And basically, this to me represents the absolute joy of a private joke, a long-running private joke. Yes. That no one else would ever find funny. Oh, I love those. Ever since school, like me and my best friends would have jokes that mm. like everyone else in the class, if you'd hear them, you could mm. never explain them and they'd be like, that's really not funny anymore. And we'd be like, it is, it is. to us. Yes, yeah, the greatest. It is. So what is the private joke here? The private joke. Let, let the world in. Is that my husband, Marcus absolutely hates anything on his face. Right. And because he's in entertainment, people do try to put makeup on his face occasionally and he's mm. like, ah, no, he hates it. Mm. On his hands, anything. Nothing, he won't have anything. What about suntan lotion? He will begrudgingly do suntan lotion, right, but right. begrudgingly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really into 
creams have a cleansing regime, sure. facial serums and oils and everything, mm. and putting hand cream on at night, I really enjoy, just find it very soothing. And every single night, and I do mean every night, since like a few weeks of being together, I get into bed, he's in bed, and I say, do you want some hand cream, baby? <laughs> and he makes up a different reason why he doesn't want hand cream. Or sometimes I say do you want a bit of my facial serum? And he goes, no. And I go, it is Sarah Chapman? And he goes, oh, no, I've, um, I'm not on the Sarah Chapman regime this week. And it's it's just really joyful to me that we still do it every night yeah. and never, ever miss one. In fact, last night we nearly missed it. And I said, oh, sorry, but the lights had gone off. And I was like, sorry, baby, I forgot to offer you hand cream. And he was like, no, my hands are a bit too moist today, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I think That's lovely, though. You're married, aren't you? I am, yeah. I find long-running jokes to be the cement. Yes. <laughs> Not the only cement, obviously trust and respect and all that. Yeah. But long-running jokes to be one of the great cements of a relationship. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, me and my brother have just an ocean of, yeah. of in-jokes yeah. that, you know, <laughs> that when you explain them, that is a sweet, gentle, cement-like story yeah. that, that's about love. So my <laughs> granddad, his neighbour was called Mr Pitney. Yeah. And he had a fence where you could only ever see him chest up. Oh, yeah. And w- <laughs> I have no idea when this started, but it would be the idea of our granddad going to Mr Pitney. Yeah. Have you seen my daughter? And he'd say, not her face, because he was doing her from behind. Oh but you God. couldn't see it on the fence. So I can just say, not her face, to my brother, and he knows that. But when you explain it, yeah. I mean, it's awful. It doesn't bear the explanation. That's, that's, that's truly lovely. But... It's, yeah, yeah, the ours is, compared to that, it's very so harmless. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, yeah. harmless. We've got another one that's uh, on... Do a sweet one. Driving back to our house, yeah. there's like three lanes and you have to be in the middle lane, which looks like... it's called a motorway. Hmm? A motorway? No, 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 it's not. No, it's just a normal road. But it's but got it three splits. lanes. It split. This is why it's confusing. It right. splits off into three lanes. Yeah. One leg up, and then there's this mysterious middle lane. We have to be in the middle lane to get to our house. Okay. And because Marcus is all, I can't drive yet. I'm trying to learn at the moment. And just a few years ago, I think perhaps genuinely for the first time, I can't remember if it was genuine the first time, but I sort of went, you need to be in the middle lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was like... I know. And now every single time we drive home together, I go, don't forget to get in the middle lane. And he pretends not to know and goes, oh, should I turn left here? And I'm like, no. And he goes, should I go into that incoming traffic? And I'm like, no, no, just like try and follow that bike and stop at at the red light. And I basically like patronise him for the five minute journey of that lane. They're so sweet. (laughs) I'm just in my head going through the ones that I've got. They're all so mean. You're all. No, so basically, my mum will ring up and without fail I go, who's this? Yeah. And my mum goes, gets annoyed. Yeah. And then I'll hang up. (laughs) And then call her back and make it up to it. But... It's it's like yours are really gentle. But oh yeah, well this is it. It makes it's it's the severity of you actually hanging the phone. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to hang up. I did one the other day. It was probably the best that ever. We were in Dublin, and Mum came on tour. Mum was on the sixth floor of our hotel, and I was on the the first. And I said, right, we're meeting downstairs in five minutes to go. And she said, all right, yeah. And. Just as I left the lift, she wasn't looking. I pressed every button, so it went, you know, two, three, four, five, six. 
and the door was just about to shut and I just had my mum go, and then it shut and it just lifted up. So mean. So mean. But, yeah. I wish I had sweet ones, but they're all... (laughs) I was sort of raised in a very much a kill or be killed sort of family. Yeah. When we used to go on holiday, you know when you go down to the beach? Yeah. And you were like eight and you went to the sea and then you kind of tried to find your family and it was always that moment where you drifted slightly in the sea, you didn't know where you were. Yeah. My family would move. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was it. So whoever went in the sea, you'd kind of get up, slightly move and to the point you'd even pull odd faces so that when the lost child was trying to find the family, we'd be on the beach kind of having moved and kind of like scrunching our face up so we'd look unrecognisable. And then your gold standard tears genuine panic oh my god then, then the family would be like <laughs> but it's to eight year old to eight year, to eight year old but that's what i mean like when you look back on it it's so funny but i mean jesus christ <laughs> you know <laughs> do you have those with your son yet or is he too young um not at him yeah, yeah. in that sure, way like sure. <laughs> trying to make ones. him think that he's been lost yeah, in yeah, the yeah. world <laughs> but i sort of uh, that's what i like i like the fact that they're kind Lovely, gentle ones. They're very sweet. Right. What is the next thing you've got? It's a Tunnock's tea cake. Okay. I love a tea cake. A Tunnock's tea cake represents a lot of things, actually, to uh-huh. be fair, in my life. <laughs> I've loved Which them. Out, it's a Scottish... Yeah, it's a Scottish confectionery. It's wrapped up in silver foil, silver and red foil. Yeah, yeah. And it's like soft chocolate biscuit with whipped up marshmallow on the top covered in a thin layer of chocolate yeah. I sound like the advert for it it's so good it's a tricky one to dunk yeah it's not a dunker yeah. I like to drink milk after a treat okay <laughs> this is it's talked again, about amongst my is, family it's very is, talked about again really wholesome pornography <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean that, that's why I love honey wanted you <laughs> I can go for whole or semi <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so after a treat, you have milk. I have a glass of milk. Mm. To, I can't say my family have really written this out me for this. But for me, a glass of milk, after you've had like chocolate or a biscuit or something, mm. it sort of seals it off. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like I've had that and I've had my milk and that's the end of it. Well, that's, that's the end of the fun. That's the end of the Got you. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, But I like the milk. The milk's not part of the... The milk's part of it. I of like course. the milk. Yeah, and do you have it hot or cold? Cold. Okay. Not mental. Okay. It's going to be good for sleep, isn't it? Yeah. Do you yeah, remember that advert, nice cold, ice cold milk? No. Mm. It was mm. in sort of advert late 80s. Okay. And it was they were trying to sort of sex up milk again. So kids it's were drinking. It's not a sexy drink. But if, when it's got nice cold, ice cold milk. Yeah. So me and my brother would kind of, oh, I have a nice cold, ice cold milk. Do you remember Accrington Stanley? I do. Was that I? was an advert for milk, wasn't it? Was it? I think it was, yeah. Accrington Stanley. Stanley? Who are they? Exactly. Was it, was it a milk advert? Yeah. It was. It was for milk. I think he's dead now. Mm-hmm. What, it, the, the kid. Oh, Jesus, Dan, for <laughs> fuck's sake. What? What? Uh, please, how did he die? Please don't say dairy poisoning. <laughs> Jesus no, Christ. It was in the papers last year. Fuff. All right, mate. What incredibly niche, depressing trivia. Yeah, 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 exactly. Dan, uh, Dan can tell you any major celeb if they've. So, so, so what is so, it? Right, Atonic's tea cake represents the Edinburgh Fringe, for one yes. thing. I think I first had them at the Edinburgh Fringe, which I started going to in 2005. It represents... Would, were you, did you eat that first one in sadness or joy? It would have been a mix. But I was not too 
heavily invested creatively when I first started performing at the Edinburgh Fringe. I wasn't doing it solo. I was part of a burlesque show that was of mixed quality. There were some fantastic acts in there and some who, like me, had no clue what I was doing. Right. I was 21. I sung songs with not many clothes on, but also not no clothes on. Right. And I was sort of too feminist to strip completely, but also not feminist enough to not strip at all. Right. So it ended up this sort of halfway house of me singing the song Fever while wearing, like, support tights. (laughs) And a bra. Okay. It wasn't... A really, really confused audience. Yeah, it wasn't a good act. Um, (laughs) It wasn't a good act. And the... One of the reviews for it said, the one thing that can be relied upon in this show is that not a single performer on stage has ever achieved orgasm. Jesus. <laughs> Which at the time was absolutely bang on. Yeah, but wh- I uh, mean... It was, a, it, was quite, it was quite a funny review. That's um, a very odd review. I mean, sh- I the mean, point was that it was a load of young people trying to do sexy and not knowing what sexy is. <laughs> and I yeah. think that was fair. But how, you were 21? Yeah. Okay, but that's still a weird review, isn't it? Yeah. To kind of like you could sort of say that it's not for me, but to kind of like imagine that. That's that's the thing with reviews. That's such a deep personal yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah. That's a. Do you know what I mean these guys? None of them have come. They, yeah. haven't, made, they haven't made anyone come. They're all losers. It was, a one, it was a one star review. Uh, yeah, to be clear. of course it's yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flipping heck. I remember having one of my first. I had a, a, a bit of a sniffle. Yeah. And the guy basically just said I was on coke. Like that, wow. like, and it's, it's not like a bad review. Of like, yeah, maybe Howard would be a bit less jittery if he wasn't coked off. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, what yeah, are you yeah. talking about? I'm like, twenty one. I remember I did a review, um, very different. I uh, sorry, I did a show a few years ago that was about part. It was partly about me feeling so low that mm. I wrote to the Samaritans, and mm. I joked in the show about like, I can't have been that low because I didn't call them. I just mm. sent them an email, <laughs> right. which you can do. Can you? And they replied. Mm. So this was true. Like I wrote to the Samaritans, and they replied, and. Then the review said that I'd made up contacting the Samaritans and made up feeling depressed and all of this. And I was like, that's that's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Because that's really untrue. And she was like, the idea that it's far-fetched that someone would do that and then do a comedy show about it is, yeah. is quite naive. Yeah, abs- You can probably guess which reviewer it is. We'll talk about it later. Oh, yeah, OK. Um, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> She's like that. Yeah, she is. So, yeah. what's um, so the the tea cake? So you're performing in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. Presumably, the Edinburgh Fringe for a comedian is a place where you begin to find yourself creatively. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, you also found your dessert for yeah. for life. Yeah, dessert mm. for life. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's not something that. You buy all the time a Tunnock's tea cake. But do you always buy it when you're in Edinburgh? Yeah, always get them in in Edinburgh. Just came back from Edinburgh, actually, and, yeah, we had them in the flat all the time while I was there. But then in real life, no, you get them very occasionally. It also represents, I would say three things, like the Edinburgh Fringe, it represents to me, there was a real moment, so I'm part of a blended family, so I've got two stepkids who were teenagers when we got together, and... There are certain scenarios where you really feel like you know you're in a blended family and it's not, there are really complicated feelings at play in the household. Yeah. And one of them is if there's things in the house that you've bought for yourself to have. Yeah. But you live with stepkids. Yeah. 
you don't have that absolutely innate feeling of whatever is mine is yours. Yeah. I just want you to be nourished. I want you to have anything you want. Yeah. Self-sacrifice feeling. And I had tunnocks in the jaw. I think I had one left to yeah. look in the jaw. Yeah. And one of my stepkids asked if they could have it. And I just did a face. And they now refer to it as my tunnocks face, which is... No, I want that. Why can't I have... That's mine. Mm. <laughs> That's mine. I know you're the kids. You're the kids, but it's mine. And mm. it's my. And it's mine. <laughs> and I want it. Yeah. And it brings out this side of you that's like... No. Right. <laughs> it makes you really childish and, like, just protective of your things. Right. And there's something about a tonics tea cake that was the first really clear time when I was like quite bothered by that and I think I'm sure it's symbolic of the wider thing of sharing your space you know and it's yeah. the complications of a blended family but yeah the, the tunnock's face rears its head every so often. So what's the third thing? The third thing is it became quite a symbol in Tuesday Nightclub which was an online club that me and my husband did during lockdown yeah. every week for a year starting very soon after lockdown, like um, April 2020. Yeah. And we did it till next summer 2021. And we were playing to a few hundred people every week. And it was the same. It, it went up and down a bit. But like there was this core of people who would come every week and tune in and who would all talk to each other in the chat and talk yeah. to us. Were they, were they comedy fans or were they mates? They were comedy fans. Right, right. Who, some of whom have become mates. Yeah. And they've certainly all become mates with each other. They now meet up with each other around the country. Right. Because they're from obviously all over. There's people, it's all over the world actually. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, but in the UK, they all meet up with each other sometimes uh, and meet up with us if we're doing live gigs. And yeah, basically, my love of tonics came up early on yeah. in it. And now, whenever we see someone, we got someone drew a water pastel of a tonics tea cake. And whenever we see them, they bring me a packet of tonics, which I love. And it reminds me of that time the the really good special unusual things that came out of lockdown yeah 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 and the thing with the tonics is you can easily have three or four yeah they're so <laughs> when i say easily yeah, yeah it's not easy on your body mm -mm -mm. <laughs> but <laughs> in terms of how nice they are they're so light you have you can't have one yeah like, you have to have two and did, when you've had two you're like i might as well have three <laughs> did the children in the house did they get the tonics so when there was this sort of Mexican standoff, <laughs> did you let them have it? I, I think what happened was Marcus stepped in. Fucking hell. He's, <laughs> whoa, I, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I like went, that bloke in Jerry Springer. I think I went, because I think the thing is, I love a tonics and yeah, they right, just right. are like what they just yeah. like one. Yeah. And but they are I think children. I did that face <laughs> and when I did that face and went, yeah. Oh, I see. I said yes. And yeah. Marcus went, I, th I, I think I, so. I can't quite remember. Yeah, but yeah. I also feel like this has happened more than once. <laughs> At least one of the times Marcus has gone, why don't you have something else? To them? Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very. That's an excellent deflection, isn't it? Hey, there's other options. Yeah. Have an apple. Yeah. Not an apple. <laughs> <laughs> an apple. But another chocolate thing. Oh, right. There's other chocolate yeah. things. Did you have chocolate when you were a kid, like knocking around? Not much. Yeah, Not see, much. that's a big thing. Like, no. People of our generation, the, the, the whole sort of sweet draw. Yeah, it was a treat. Didn't when I was exist. Doritos yeah. very late on. No. And now, like my nephews, 
they've got they don't have a sweet drawer. They got a cupboard. Wow. Just a cupboard full of full of snacks, and yeah. they're very similar. That if you go near them, because they live with my uh, sister and my mum and dad, that they, they can almost hear the creak of the <laughs> cupboard open, and they're like straight in. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Like that. Well, like, yeah. What you're doing? Do you mind if I have something? But they won't share or anything. So you'll just come round trying to have a chip. But it, it's a really good way of getting kids to eat if they're a bit fussy. I heard a podcast the other day that I thought was quite interesting. I don't know if this is right or not. It seems a bit puritanical, but it was someone saying just not having that stuff in the house. If you just don't have it in the house, then it loses this like mysterious, it's in the house, this secret, wonderful treat thing. Oh, oh, definitely. I remember as a kid, we would sneak in and drink tonic water. (laughs) <laughs> because we we thought it was alcoholic. And it's actually rank. Yeah, it was disgusting. <laughs> no, but but we would sort of sneak in there, like, you know, eight-year-olds and just have, a, like, a glug of that, like, really quickly. <laughs> and then and kind of do that thing, like... <sighs> and then think we were pissed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because it was forbidden. Let's uh, let's do the next one. Russell, You're sorry, right. just before we press on, can I correct the record, please? It's good news. The Accrington Stanley kid is not dead. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's lovely to yeah, hear. He went to prison for murder. Oh, he went to prison oh, for murder. Oh, yeah. so someone else is dead. Yeah, so it is better. So he killed somebody? Yeah. Okay. Was it... Mm. Um, did they deserve to die? Not according to the <laughs> okay. reports. That's a shame. Well, I, I, I might, love the might, idea... That... He might have been a freedom fighter. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He might have been writing a wrong... Do you know what I mean? And he sort of took out, like, you know, a, a group of terrorist incels. Yeah. But, uh, no, but that's not, that's not that's the case. That's not what happened. Do you get angry? Do you ever think about killing anybody? Like, do you, because you seem very calm, but do you have a temper? Like, um, really like Mr. Rarely. Accrington. <laughs> Can't believe we're taking Mr. Accrington Stanley yeah. being a murderer as a leaping off point, but I'm we should. Sort of same, but I'm, like, do you have those, like, the other day we had our flight was delayed because somebody hadn't made the flight and then we had to then get their bags off yeah and it sort of meant and i'd happily have both of them killed <laughs> like <laughs> s- slaughtered in front of everybody or we get to just throw all their items of clothes out for the remainder of the flight yeah nice I do but like get, an irrational i tell you the irrational the irrational flight like fly by can, oh I, I wish you dead thing yep yep <laughs> Guilt-free death. This is what this is. So you can kill anybody guilt-free. Is, is motorcyclists who have souped up it to sound as loud as possible yeah. going dangerously loud down a residential road, down any road, but absurdly fast yeah. so that they're quite likely to kill someone. Yeah. And I I definitely get irrationally angry about that, like the real heat up. Yeah. I just think, God, I hope you fall off. Definitely. <laughs> Or it's like, like some here's one for me. If someone throws money, you know, sometimes at Tesco, yeah, very real, you'll see somebody kind of go, There you go, oh. and like rather than just giving oh. it to them, just throw it, you think straight away, blow pipe or a taser. <laughs> just that's genuinely why I remember my wife was like, You know, I was trying to get into fitness, and she was like, You should do kind of karate. And I was like, If I learn sort of karate, I'll kill people. Because I'll be such a killing machine. But, I, but that luckily, because I'm not very good in a fight, that keeps me out of trouble. Yeah. Whereas if I could, if I knew I could kill people, I'd be killing people. Yeah. I guarantee yeah. I can't have that power. I, honestly, if I knew how to kill people, I'd kill them. And then go, oh, fuck, man, because I've got a temper, but luckily I can't do anything about it. Yeah. So I've got like Rottweiler rage in a Jack Russell body. <laughs> but if I had... Oh, 
I don't know how Bruce Lee did it. I have got. I don't know I he had a movie career. <laughs> killing people. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like he was probably not. quite zen. Yes. Probably. Yeah, but I don't know. I just I, you know I, I see why uh, Accrington did it. Anyways, let's move on to the next thing. We've okay. got. I think we've got two more. Okay, my next item is a gobo. What's a gobo? It's a little piece of metal that you put into a stage light to make it into the shape of something. Right. It's a set of gobos with my name on, which I've been using for the last few years. Nice. So basically how it works is you rock up at the theatre when you go on tour, you hand the technician this gobo, and then your name is projected in light mm. on the back cloth. Um, in a sort of like a Batman circle. In a Batman circle, exactly, mm. yeah. And these gobos are, I've been using them a while, I haven't got any new ones, and they're pleasingly knackered. Yeah, they are, they're lovely. They look the like heat. Roman artefacts. Yeah, they do, which I sort of love about them. That one especially has been very overused. Um, so I've brought these because they represent to me. I got them the first professional tour that mm. I did. Mm. What after, year is this? This was 2018. Yeah. And it was after the success of The Mash Report. Which is so interesting, isn't it? Because I knew you as a sort of a musical comedian, yeah. improvisational comedian. Yeah. And then it felt like overnight you became this kind of satirical... It just blew up, didn't it? And I just, like, you were kind of going viral. Yeah. And, um, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, it was strange uh, and very unexpected. Like you say, I'd made my career doing stand-up, uh, but stand-up scattered amongst musical comedy, yeah. sketch, acting, a bit of everything. And then, yeah, I got the job on The Mash Report, which initially was not writing on it and doing this. Initially, it was very much a character acting job, yeah. similar to what I did on your show. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And then because the bits I did were very successful... They got me to do more. They gave me more to do and they yeah. got me writing on it. Yeah. And I had a lot more control over what I did. And I got to do longer segments on more important things, which I loved. And the role really developed into something bigger. Yeah. And then, yeah, when it started to go viral with the one on sexual harassment yeah. and then another one about Boris Johnson, um, not about Boris, sorry, about Trump and Piers Morgan, then I started getting loads of attention very suddenly I'd say I'd had like two like breaks really in my career and one was my first solo show at the Edinburgh Fringe where it, it just went very well it went how you want a solo show to go yeah and I felt like oh I'm a comedian now yes and the other one was the mash report 2017 to 18 and so what happened was people wanted to come and see me live in a way that had never happened before. Yeah. And I'd had done little tours before to like little 50-seater, 100-seater. Yeah. And I'd organised all that myself always before I'd like either gone with a small production company or I'd produced it myself. And now I had like Live Nation offering to tour me and a technician that I'd take with me and staying in like a proper hotel, not just trying to sort of drive through the night to not yeah, have yeah, the cost yeah. of a hotel. Just doing touring in a, in a sort of proper way. And the, the, that tour, it was called It's Fun to Pretend. So for me, that it's the literal meaning of having your name in lights, the gobo, yeah. of actually turning up at a theatre and it's yours, having your name on the stage. Mm. There's a real power in that and... I felt like, oh, I've got this now. It came with other burdens as well, which was the people who'd booked to see me in in their thousands were very much expecting me to do an hour of satirical material. Right. Which, as you note, is not what my job had been. And I wrote that for the MASH report, but I was not used to writing that for live. So, so did you transition or, or have you transitioned your material to be more political? 
what I've done is, and this is really overanalyzing my touring career, but this is what I've done, is when I knew that year, particularly 2018, people had really booked off the MASH report, I did about half and half. I did about half satire and about half musical comedy and other stuff. And then the tour after that, which was called All Change Please, I did less sat, but some, enough that there's still some people coming for that, a little bit less and a little bit more of what I like to do more really so yeah i have i've kind of weaning my audiences off that and weaning them onto musical comedy which i would say 80 percent of my audiences for the last few years have come and booked a tour show not expecting any musical comedy but that must be kind of a a nice extra yeah i think it is i think it is i i mean the opening song to my last tour was called oh shit she's gonna sing um <laughs> that was like from their point of view mm-hmm. just their reaction to like oh god we didn't know she was going to do this uh and it just reassured them throughout the song that like no this is what i do right, <laughs> trust right, me right, right. you're in safe hands but like no one's objected to yeah. having musical comedy forced on them yes um i think it's a nice surprise and hopefully by now they've realized if they just want an hour of the mash report this isn't the place to come i i feel more and more as i get older i feel like songwriting and performing not just musical comedy but but songs because i'm sort of really keen to write a musical as well oh right is is really where my skills are and i want to concentrate more on that what would be the have you any ideas about the musical i like the idea of it being about a songwriter who is commissioned to write things for other people for other purposes right and them finding their own voice in songwriting nice yeah so would that be based on your kind of timeline or would that be like you know she's a young girl and like in nazi germany and then <laughs> no, like, I think... you, you gotta write some songs so like, oh, i don't want to do that I don't know. the nazis won't have yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's like, we need to commission a, a, a Nancy sort of jingle song. Wagner's like, not available. Yeah, exactly. Who's the next best That's thing? Exactly. Well, there's your opening bit. I was going to say it dead. in my we life. We must but... get the new girl. <laughs> there you go. And it's about your, you, the, you know, the Nazis want these jingle jangle tunes. Yeah. And you're like, but I want to write my own things. things. Yeah. <laughs> this is really strong stuff. I like singing about snowmen, stuff like that. <laughs> And the hill is, this won't do, ba ba ba, you know. Yeah, like, really. I How will we get the gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's just an idea, you know. Yeah, if, really if you good. Want a, if you want a collaboration. Yeah. Right, so what's... Um, the final thing. What's the final thing? The final thing is a baby lederhosen. Okay. Leder which, or lader? Oh, lederhosen. Is it lader? Yeah, lederhosen yeah. probably. Yeah, it's like brown suede with black leather patches mm-hmm. and buttons and buckles and fringe. So it's a, it is quite literally a lederhosen for a baby. It is. Um, is this um, for your child? Yes, he's worn it. Does he wear it a bit like my, like my wife dresses my dog up as an elf at Christmas? And the, the body looks like he's fine, but the eyes give the truth. <laughs> does, your, does your child like dressing up as uh, a little German boy from the hills? <laughs> Because you can never, you can tell by the eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back yeah, and look at go the photo, look. which like, oh, I obviously have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was all right. It was actually that was actually quite a bit too big for him at yeah. the time when he wore it. So he wore it in Austria, at an Austrian comedy festival. <laughs> oh no, I, the, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So we <laughs> bought it like, and he had a little friend who had one as well. Oh, so lovely. we dressed them both in lederhosen. That's very nice. Um, and I've brought it in because I would love, if I'm going to preserve anything mm. to do with him, the years, these first two years, I, every day, I'm loving him. And I, you have to try and be in the moment with it and just be mm. like, it's wonderful that you're learning new things and you're changing and you're getting older. Mm. But I feel like every day is like, oh, stay small. <laughs> stay really? small. Be tiny and cute. I really do. Every day he's learning to say words mm. properly. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, don't say words properly. Like he's, he's still, thankfully, he calls his milk Mip. Mip. <laughs> and I'm pop? like, don't ever learn to say milk, please. He's got random things he says wrong. Like, instead of flowers, he's always said, scissors, scissors. Why do you call flowers scissors? That's strange. Are you tempted to dress him in a different sort of stereotypical <laughs> national garment <laughs> until the year that he goes, enough, woman! <laughs> it's I, funny you should say that because he did get a cowboy outfit for Cowboy Christmas. works, yeah. yeah. Little Mexican wrestler. <laughs> You know the they have the dwarf wrestlers. Yeah, but I feel little draw, like little draw on moustache. Some of them I'm going to get in more trouble for than sure. others. Sure, I mean yeah, like uh, you, don't put it on the gram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> in, in your own house, you can you can dress your kid up I as death. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we should do like Masai warrior no. or anything. But not you, on ca- not on camera. Not on camera, of course. But um, uh, you know. You yeah. want to dress him up as Pocahontas? I can still dress remembers. him up. We've got all these World Book Days that there's so many memes about, like yeah. still to come, mm. um, and I can't wait for that. It's it is ridiculously cute, isn't it? Yeah, there there is something. He's got a little checkered red shirt to go with it yeah. underneath. But yeah, exactly. I mean, if he's topless, that changes everything about yeah, that. Yeah, it's weird. Makes it yeah, weird. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it it's so cute, and it it really fits a two year old. What it does make you think is an adult in that is just peculiar. And his father was wearing lederhosen was he? when he was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, to be clear. And but, it is peculiar and monstrous. But I imagine he looks all right in it. He like Marcus has that look, he he he's got a real master of ceremonies vibe about him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he kind of looks like here we are. I imagine yeah. he's very good at a party. He is. He but is. do you know what I mean? If you're wearing lederhosen as a man, you've got to be or a woman. You've got to commit and you've got to wear the lederhosen. You can't let the lederhosen yeah. wear you. Yeah. Like, as in, and that's the, the real dilemma with any kind of fancy dress. Yeah. If you're going for it, you've got to commit. Yeah, it's true. The I oldest, feel like as a man, yeah, yeah you've got to. You've got to be like like you say the MC kind of confidence thing if you're wearing lederhosen as a woman I feel like you're a sexy shot girl yes yes well it, but, but women are innately prettier than men mm. so you can dress up as like if a woman dresses up as a cat sexy if a man does it there's the things happened <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, or it's like, one of those It's a cry kinks. for help, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's either a kink or where's the tower, where's the gun? Yeah. Something's about to happen. The weirdest, I remember I went to a fancy dress party at a place called the Top Club in Macken, which mm. is just outside Newport. Right. And it was my wife's uncle and four men. in the, And there's probably about 100 people there. Four men. They were arguing. Yeah. Like these old Welsh guys. They'd all gone as um, Abu Hamza. <gasps> And they were furious with each other. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me, man? So, they, so you had four people like rowing, and they're like, "Jesus, I look like an idiot, man!" Because some of them had done it better than the others, but four of them 
complete without like they they rocked up and honestly so there were three Abu Hamzas and oh it was and they were like oh my this is a ridiculous man and then when the fourth <laughs> arrived it's one of the funniest moments of my life him going oh for fuck's sake oh gee like because he was by a stretch the worst but he came in with the hook and the confidence but there were just four Abu Hamzas gesticulating <laughs> each other it was most I remember at uni in our second year uh, we had like a group of friends in one house yeah. and a group of friends in another house a few streets away and we were going to have a Halloween party and the girls in the other house said to us with like suspicion in their eyes, they said, you're not just going to go as sexy witch, are you? Because we know you all. Don't just, don't just wear black and dark lipstick and be sexy witch. You won't do your sexy cat. And we yeah. were like, no, we're going to do this properly, proper fancy dress, proper fancy dress. We promised them. <laughs> and they came to our house and literally... Every all five of us were in like black corset, sexy black wig, <laughs> sexy witch, and they'd come as a kettle, a giraffe, and a post box. Bloody hell! <laughs> and they were so angry. Of course, a post box. I mean, a kettle. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. But the ding dong that yeah. moment when yeah. and you just the door opens. Yeah, and they were like, and they're just oh, trying for to shuffle in. Sake. Yeah, just going in sideways because yeah. they've come as a kettle. Yeah. But the post box was the best one. The post yeah. box was like cardboard, yeah. eyes out like that. Presumably you can just see their face and the face is furious. Yeah, really angry. Because everyone else is sexy. Yeah. So in terms of the um, the lederhosen, so cowboy. Uh, well, so we have, we've had like the, the full Christmas outfit. Christmas works. Like elf. red, red and white kind of Santa-ish kind of. What else have we got in the cupboard? You need days. Jesus? Mm, I suppose it's just a sheet, really. Yeah, you could do that. But it could be a ghost and Jesus. Like It could be baby Jesus. It's too big to be baby Jesus, though. No, no, I'm on about, like, sort of like... Older Jesus. Older, sort of give him a six-pack. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And have the loincloth. He has got nice hair, to be fair. Has he got long hair? Yeah, he's well, got... Do, yeah. Uh, Jesus one year... Trying to think, but you've got to get it all in before you're eight. You, you know, Spider-Man, all the, yeah, you know, Batman. Yeah, he loves Spider-Man. All, all those kind of, they're, they're all... All the Marvel they're kind all of comic safe. book things. Yeah. And they're amazing now, like, because they have, like, inbuilt six-packs. Which I find monstrous, though. Well, Not a fan of that at all. But it's so great, because when we were kids, they were just, like, you know, flammable. <laughs> and it was just like, this kind of weird bin bag. And you're like, I'm, I'm Superman. And your mum be like, don't go near the fire! <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Whereas now they they look like they're really pumped. But I don't want to see a child dressed in fancy dress with a six pack. <laughs> but it's something. That's really disturbing. It is disturbing. But think about it from their point of view: a little boy or a girl just ripped at five. That they're suddenly they kind of got all these kind of muscles. Horrifying. But you'd feel great. <laughs> like you like. Do you know what I mean? Of like that you actually get to put it on and you look like Iron Man. But I don't think he yet knows what it means to have muscles. Right. So he wouldn't be like, oh, I'm ripped. He'd be like, there's bumps on my top. <laughs> right. He'd be like, is this one of the toys? Yeah, yeah. That goes, brrr, brrr, brrr. yeah, yeah. But, he'd be, but I reckon by the time he's six, I, I think if you looked away for a second, yeah. I think you'd see your six-year-old boy flex. <laughs> I think you'd just see him kind of go like that. But I'm trying to think, what, what are the other kind of outfits? Does your husband like doing it? Yeah, we. I would say... As a family unit, yeah. all five of us are very fancy dressed. Perhaps, perhaps um, 
the oldest boy less so. Yeah. Um, How's he? Twenty one. Yeah, like yeah, he's right. sort of not in this most fancy dress vibe. But he probably doesn't want to be fancy dressed with you lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's sort of. I've never really been into fancy dress because of that the confidence thing. It's sort of same with dancing. I'd love to be able to dance. Yeah, I just can't get to that level of confidence where I could sort of just relax or wearing fancy dress. I'd just be like, oh god. I think I think with fancy dress, and I've thought this because I love fancy dress. Yeah, Marcus loves fancy dress. The kids love fancy dress. Billy, it's too soon to say he can't speak yet, but until yeah. he can speak, he loves fancy dress. Yeah, of course, yeah. And I think. My thing about my opinion about it is the way to enjoy it is to really invest time in it. Yeah. So you don't want to like, if you're going as a Ghostbuster, you don't want to like buy a Ghostbuster backpack offline. You want to make every bit of it yourself from cardboard and sticky tape. Yeah. You want to create it from clothes that half work, that you sort of make work yourself with belts and stuff like that. And yeah. You, I just think the more creative you can be with it, the, you, the more you want to show it off to people. But I don't And people have can that. go, how did you do that? And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, I glued it like this. And I think there's no point. If you're just buying an outfit from a shop or off Amazon or something, then you're not going to enjoy it as much because there's not... I don't know. That's but, just that's just how I that's how I enjoy it. Is if, if if I did it myself. But you're right. But it's that fiddly. Like I remember having a thing on Taskmaster where we had to make a parachute from a pen and a plastic bag right? and string. And it was like, you know, my fingers couldn't do it, my yeah. brain couldn't. And I remember screaming in that moment as I was trying to sellotape a bag to string, I understood in that moment why Richard Bacon did coke. <laughs> because it was so difficult. And I wasn't even doing it in front of children. Yeah. So, you know, I just don't have that. Whereas my mum, incredible, really dexterous and able to fix things my granddad was the same yeah but me and my dad i, I just don't have that skill to yeah, kind, I know what do you know mean. what i mean it's sort of like Craf crafty yeah and yeah. zero craft yeah. i can look at stuff and i and and appreciate that it's beautiful but i can't make stuff mm. i'm kind of a you know if i was a six-year-old boy and my mum gave me a top where i had a six-pack i think that would be me yeah i think genuinely that'd be the happiest moment of my life <laughs> i absolutely love that it's so it's what i love doing about this is that it's such it becomes an inadvertent sort of chat show but you're clearly there's a lot of craft going on and there's a lot of thought i love it but that particular for me if there's <laughs> if there's any winner it's that oh thanks did you with the lederhosen did you see it and buy it or did you have the plan beforehand I went hunting for it. Yeah. I knew I wanted it. Where did you find that? Well, it was so funny. So I was like, someone had said, wouldn't it be cute if both the kids on this holiday could have little lederhosen? And I was like, yeah, it would be. But I mean, God knows where we're going to find that. And we waited till we got there to this little Austrian town, Meyerhofen, you know. Clever. And, um, and the, other, the other baby had one. And I said, oh, God, where are we going to find one? And I went into a shop and they had hundreds and hundreds of them, all different sizes, all different styles of ba specifically baby lederhosen. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like, you know, a sort of really trying to find one in a really obscure place. But it was like, no, it turns out everyone who goes to Austria wants to put their baby in lederhosen. Yeah, well, it's understandable. They're it, not idiots. They know what they're doing. But it is ridiculously cute, isn't yeah. it? And it also is quite strappy. So you can probably lift them up like a bag. Yes, you can. 
yeah, lifting them up like a bag is one of my favourite things to do. Yeah, because particularly that bit there, that you can bit. sort of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and then suddenly Mission Impossible Legos. <laughs> do, do, do. That could be another song from the Nazi musical. Yeah, definitely. That could be the opening. So your son is a two-year-old. Listen, <laughs> this is, we should keep the powder dry. This is yeah. such a good idea. But I really love that. It's so Thanks. I think you put a lot of silly effort into things that will then make memories because the very fact that your name is up in lights, the very fact that you've got that kind of musical book that clearly was the beginning of your kind of creative journey as a comedian and musician, the hand cream that keeps your marriage together, the tea cakes, mm. again, is a little moment to savour throughout lockdown mm. and the, the lady hosen because that's such a perfect memory. Every time you look at that, when you're kind of 70, that's going to be a memory forever, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, because I don't think he'll wear them again. Fuck no. Not just these, but perhaps any lederhosen, I don't know. But you'll always have that memory. And it's it's when he gets married. This it, is he, what he'll be wearing. <laughs> this is what he'll be wearing. But, <laughs> but that photo will be on a table. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And It'll like, be projected onto the wall. Absolutely, yeah. And and only that face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so interesting. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, thanks for having me. Pleasure.